Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Tuesday, September 27th, 2022, and I'm your host, George Kurt, joined by the two best friends that anyone could ask for, Tyler Snyder and Cody Roadcap in the house. How are you guys doing after a pretty ridiculous week three? Oh, it was a great week three. Great week three. It was the only time this year so far that all three Couch GM's team have pulled out a victory. Correct. I was going to say the same thing. How can you say ridiculous when it's the first Couch GM sweep? And like Tyler mentioned, that's if the Packers, Titans, and Eagles all win, uh, we all get really excited because none of us are sad on Monday. That's very true. I'm excited about that. It's just injuries all over the place fantasy was a disaster for me this week mostly because of that so like that's why i was saying ridiculous there was a lot of very interesting games so it was a little all over the place but i'm definitely happy for the first couch gm sweep of the year and on the show today we are going to be hitting some nfl news and notes highlighting some of those injuries we're going to hit quotes of the week we're going to hit the week three waiver wire we're going to give a little trade advice as it is trade season as tyler would say with some buy high and sell Buy low, sell Damn it, high. I tried to coat. fix it real quick. <laughs> I tried to fix it real quick because I saw him type it and I couldn't get there in time. I'm sorry. It is Cody buy low, sell high. Yes. Maybe want to buy, buy low, sell and high. <laughs> and we're also going to preview the Thursday night game for week four. Make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com, our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at thecouchgms, and join our Discord chat. The link for that is in the description of the podcast or video you are watching. Okay, let's jump into NFL news. NFL news today, starting off as uh, if you had not seen, there was a very interesting play in the Dolphins and Bills games where uh, Tua was rolling backwards, got pushed. He hit his head off of the turf and stood up and then appeared to stumble. Seemed very concussed to all of us here watching the replays after the play happened. Um, He was taken back at halftime for concussion protocol and came back out to actually play in the second half of the Dolphins game. The NFL also thought it was a little sketchy. The NFL and the NFLPA are now conducting an investigation on the Tua concussion protocol to see if all of the rules were met correctly. Guys, what is your reaction to this investigation after we were all like, that's very confusing? I mean, I, I look at it two different ways. One, I'm really happy that they're doing it um, because it did look like a concussion. He did smack his head off the turf and then get up and stumble. Um, and we all were very shocked to see him go back into the game. So I'm glad that they're doing their due diligence. They're going to look into it. However, at the same time, we can't just as you know, fans just assume, yep, it was definitely concussion. Um, that's it. The Dolphins are cheating. We can't just assume that. We've Wait. watched what? We can't be couch medical doctors. We, we're couch GMs. We can't be couch medical <laughs> I mean, we doctors as well. Look, how many times have we watched sporting events and we've seen an injury and we're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely this. He's done for the year. Or, oh, he's fine. It was just this. And then he is done for the year. I mean, Cody, you know uh, very well. I remember. I don't even remember what season it was. But week one against the Bears, Aaron Rodgers gets 2018, Aaron Rodgers gets carted off the field in the beginning of the game, and we're like, wow, Rodgers' season is over already. Then he comes jogging back onto the field to lead a, a comeback win. Like, you don't know. Um, and I can say no to any of the listeners out there. I am not 60 years old. However, I ha- do have a bad back. And just the other day, just last week, I was at work, and my back was super sore. I sat down for a little bit, and I went to stand up. My back tightened up so much that I almost fell over because it 
completely threw off my coordination when my back hurt that bad. So it is possible that he did stumble because of his back hurting. But either way, I'm glad that the NFLPA is going to do their due diligence and look into it. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think Snyder wrapped it up beautifully. It's good that they're investigating it because how obvious it seemed to everyone watching at home, but we were not there. We were not in there. And remember, it is supposed to be an independent neurological person that, uh, you know, deems the person ready to be back. So it wasn't the Miami Dolphins. It was supposed to be an independent person. So um, good for them looking into it. And we'll just have to wait and see the results. Definitely. And then the other big news we had coming out on Monday was goodbye to everyone's favorite game, the Pro Bowl favorite that that's sarcastic if you didn't understand that um and we're going to introduce the pro bowl games so essentially they're going to expand upon the skills competition that already happened before the pro bowl make it some kind of week-long event and then it is going to end in a flag football game which is essentially what the pro bowl was at this point if you're uh have watched any of it the last few years but i think this is a positive impact to try to like showcase some of the league's top players but get rid of the game that nobody took seriously anymore. I'm excited. I'm not going to lie. The skills challenge back when they would just have all the quarterbacks line up and see who could throw it the farthest. They'd have them run the gauntlets. We can keep doing dodgeball. Like they've added the last couple of years, the spectacular catches. Like those are the kind of thing. It's very much like the, the NBA all-star weekend is dominated by the slam dunk contest and a three point contest. No one really cares about the game. Same with baseball. Couldn't tell you the last time I watched a baseball all-star game. Couldn't tell you the last time I watched a home run derby. Like seeing these players do what they're best at in a competition setting. Maybe we'll finally get a race between the fastest players. Like that'll be a ton of fun. Uh, so great for them. And then it is also cool that they're keeping that the, it is going to be full roster. So like anyone with a Pro Bowl contract isn't getting altered by this. Yeah. And, you know just to make sure that we're not neglecting the fourth big sport. Hockey does the same thing. Nobody watches the all-star game, but they got the skills competition, the speed competition, the stick handling competition. We got uh, some skills competitions there that people watch as well. But Cody, you're absolutely right. People like the skills competition. They like watching the fun things. Um, But watching the actual all-star game or the pro bowl game or anything like that, they all suck. Let's get real. Nobody cares. I mean, they're also talking about a potential uh, flag football game I heard for this Pro Bowl weekend. Um, and I find that kind of funny because, you know, we have been making fun of how many rule changes they've had to protect the players and saying it almost like they're going to turn it into the flag football league instead of the NFL. And now they're actually doing a flag football game. That is kind of funny, but it should be interesting to watch. I think it'll be more fun than the way the Pro Bowl was, where if somebody gets close to you or within sneezing distance, like you're down. Um, I'm glad that's gone. I'm very interested also to see if this flag football game is going to be 11 on 11 with still rushers, or if it's going to be a seven on seven style in the offensive and defensive alignment, sit it out. Excuse me there. Yeah, that was my, that was my big question too. Yeah. Um, But we'll have to see if they give out more details before the pro bowl week. But one week after that is the super bowl, as you know, and we did get some super bowl news during the Sunday games where Rihanna is actually named the super bowl halftime performer. We originally thought it was going to be Taylor Swift, but NFL dropped a bomb there in the middle of the Sunday one o'clock window. What do you guys think of that halftime performer for this year, as well as the sponsor being changed from Pepsi to Apple Music? It's going to be a little different. Yeah, I think the Apple Music sponsorship change was a big reason why the rumors that Taylor Swift was going to be there. That also was released at midnight. Very common for a Taylor Swift releases to come right out at midnight. Uh, but mm-hmm. 
you know, I think Rihanna is going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, she's definitely a worthy artist to, to hold the halftime show. I think she can hold on her own. We'll see how many other people they bring in. Uh, but I think she's one of the, the pe- kind of people that she, they don't have to bring in a bunch of other to like help fill it. Like it's, if it's just Rihanna, that's perfectly fine. If she brings in a guest or two, you know, kind of back to the old days when there was one headliner and you might get a song with a special guest. Like I would have hoped that with Rihanna, they kind of keep it back to that style instead of let's bring four stars in. They each get two minutes or however, how they've done a couple of times in the past. I would not be surprised to see Jay-Z if uh, <laughs> Rihanna's there. I'm just saying, yep. look, I'm pretty sure they're family. Not going to lie. So I would not be surprised to see Jay-Z there, but yes, Rihanna is good enough to be, the solo headliner. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it'll be fun. Um, no matter what the halftime show is, it can be any genre, any singer, any performer at all. Somebody will be upset about it. So just turn off Facebook during the halftime show. Don't listen to the naysayers. Just sit back and enjoy the show. And on top of it, we get to look out for uh, around that time period when Taylor Swift writes a song about not getting the Super Bowl halftime show and losing it to Rihanna. But we had injury news to talk about from Sunday. So we'll start off at the quarterback position where Mac Jones suffered a high ankle sprain on the Patriots' last offensive play of that Ravens game. That is big because he is expected to miss multiple weeks. He does not need surgery, but that is going to be a serious blow to all of your fantasy assets on the Patriots who are already not exactly the safest bets. Yeah. There's actually videos of Mac Jones going into the locker room, absolutely screaming in pain. It's kind of hard to watch. Um, Definitely hope Mac Jones heals up quick. Uh, I think the biggest fantasy impact from this though, look, I really wasn't going to start any Patriots receivers as it was. I picked up Jacoby Myers in a a league here or there as a bench option and then immediately dropped him when he was ruled out uh, because he's not that valuable to me. Um, But I I think this is a big impact for the run game. I think Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris are both going to have an uptick in carries, both have an uptick in volume. Um, They already were splitting, so I feel like they're both going to get even more volume. But I I think that's the biggest thing that's going to come from this. Yeah, and I, I mean, how much do you trust Brian Hoyer? So uh, they have the Packers this week, whose defense has actually been pretty good and not giving up many points unless it's the first drive of the game because they still can't stop those. Uh, so pretty much out on Patriots for a while. And we've always heard that, you know, sometimes ankle sprains are more painful than if just the bone breaks. And those videos definitely led to that about Mac Jones. So definitely hope he get, he recovers quickly. Yeah, it's very strange to see somebody not even attempting to put weight on an ankle sprain, but it is a pretty severe high ankle sprain, so it makes sense when you hear it that way. Um, And then running backs got absolutely run over this week, it seems like. Uh, Starting off with DeAndre Swift for the Detroit Lions, who suffered a shoulder sprain. Uh, He is not expected to have surgery, but is expected to miss time. Their head coach, Dan Campbell, said that he could benefit from three weeks off, so missing two games and a bye week. And that would have him returning week seven at Dallas. So I'm assuming that means he's going to attempt to get back sooner. But when you hear a head coach saying, oh, I think he's going to benefit from missing this much time, they're most likely going to miss that much time. Yeah, I wouldn't expect DeAndre Swift back before the Dallas game. Uh, The obvious replacement is Jamal Williams. Now, if you've been listening to the show for the last two weeks, I've been high on the pickup Jamal Williams because Swift was already dealing with an ankle injury going into the week. That's he's been on the injury report, been questionable. And Jamal Williams showed again, he was already still in the red zone targets and he was productive against the Vikings and he'll be there. 
the number one back. And then I also got to give a shout out to Kutztown alum, Craig Reynolds, who will now be the pr primary backup. So we always love seeing him out in the field. For sure. Go Craig. Go Bears. Go Golden Bears. Golden Bears. Go Golden yeah, Bears. that. Sorry, let me <laughs> clarify here. But if you want to talk Bears, I mean, David Montgomery was another running back that got hurt. He injured both his ankle and his knee. But the positive news is he's considered day-to-day -day and could play this week. Uh, but boy, did Khalil Herbert look good, whether that was just playing the Texans or, you know, we kind of heard whispers about this during the preseason. So once David Montgomery gets back, he might not get the full workload that he was used to just because the way Herbert has looked in the preseason and now in his absence. I am totally going to equate this to me trying to calm down David Montgomery owners last week saying how, yeah, you can say that Khalil Herbert's trying to take over, but Montgomery's still getting like 75% of the snaps. He's still looking just as effective. And now here we are. Everything flips a week later, and that's how quick it happens in the NFL. But Montgomery, if you can sell him for any value, I think he's a good guy. Like we're trying to talk trade advice later, but might want to try to cut ties with while he's at value. Um, and Khalil Herbert is definitely one of our top waiver ads, which we're going to get into later too. Yeah, I, I think Khalil Herbert is definitely going to be one of the top guys you're going after. If you're a David Montgomery owner, this, of course, is not good news. Um, there was rumors that Khalil Herbert would take over as a starter by some point in midseason anyway because they felt like he was the more dynamic back. So the fact that he has the chance to really just showcase his own style, um, that that's always a big thing. But got, how much, how confident are you guys in Khalil Herbert? Now, I, I saw what he did last week. Um, once Montgomery went down, he went absolutely nuts, uh, which is definitely great. However, the Bears don't look good right now. George, you are one of the biggest people to say, you know what? That's it. I am done with Justin Fields. He is garbage. If if Fields is that bad and they are throwing historically few amount of times, uh, if they cannot pass the ball, everyone's going to start playing the run. Do you trust Herbert moving forward? Uh, or do you think the Bears offense is going to start to figure out some different ways to get him involved? How effective were the Broncos with Tim Tebow at running the ball? Do you want me to look that up? Middle middle I mean, of the pack? I, I don't know. It. No, I mean, I, I feel like they still had like a fantasy relevant running back and then obviously the quarterback that could add on in the run game. That I mean, is how I'm literally game, so. envisioning. That's how I'm literally envisioning the Bears right now. So like while only one of them are getting primary touches. So like if David Montgomery misses time and it's just Khalil Herbert, I like the play. I'll probably put him as a low end RB two right around where I had David Montgomery pre-injury. If both of them are playing, I'm not really convinced there's going to be enough rush yards to go around for that split. And I'm probably avoiding it unless you see that like Herbert or Montgomery is going to get the 70, 75% of the carries again. Um, so that's where I'm at at the moment. So uh, in 2011, when the Broncos were playing with Tim Tebow, mm -hmm. uh, Willis McGahee was their starter for 14 games, put up 1,199 yards. So we'll say 1,200 for easy math and four touchdowns. So that's so what he did in 14 games. low-end RB2? Maybe, maybe mid-RB2, something like that? 1,200 yards a lot, but four touchdowns is pretty low. Yeah, I, I would say – I mean, I, I was also like the biggest – non-fan of David Montgomery, probably of the three of us. And he was kind of already a low-end RB2 flex for me. I think Khalil Herbert can be just as valuable. It's just that offense doesn't move the ball very well. Um, but yet they're 2-1, and one, so maybe we shouldn't be talking as bad about the Bears as we are right now. 
the Broncos with Tebow won a playoff game, like Tyler said. Valid. Uh, but two more running backs got hurt. Uh, Dalvin Cook, as about as expected, maybe not as early as we expected, but does uh, unfortunately suffer injuries all season or every season. Um, dislocated shoulder again. He might miss time. He might be able to play through it. Make sure you have Alexander Mattinson if he's available. Um, and if Dalvin Cook doesn't go, <clears throat> Mattinson's in your lineup. And then Joe Mixon, he did suffer an in- ankle injury, but it is considered minor, and he might play this week. Um, so that's why Samaj P. Ron is the lowest of the guys that you need to pick up. Because um, Joe Mixon also has had to deal with injuries in the past and played through them. So I expect Mixon to be back. I find it very interesting that Dalvin Cook had those tears in his shoulder, which kept causing his shoulder dislocations last year. Went through the entire offseason, didn't address it, and just expected it to get better. And now he has another shoulder dislocation. But if you want any good news out of that, he played through both of them being a problem last year. Only missed, I think, two or three games. So if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, it shouldn't be a big issue. But you need to own Madison in case he misses any time. Well, Cook has dealt with this shoulder issue. It's just his bone pops up. There's not much they can do. He's he's dealt with it since college. Like it's popped out since then. So it's not like something he could have gotten done in the offseason to like make it a permanent fix. It's just something he has to to deal with. And then the Joe Mixon one, that one's you're gonna have to pay attention to because we're gonna talk about them later in the Thursday night preview because they play on Thursday, so the short week could be an issue. But that's all the injury news. Well, you guys. hold on. Before you move on uh, from injury news, one quick injury question from you guys. I, want, I just want to get your opinions on one thing, and that is somebody who was injured, supposed to miss the game, decided to play through it, and didn't look himself. That's Justin Herbert. Um, he had some fractured cartilage in his ribs, decided that all the coaches wanted him to sit out, take a week, relax, rest up. Uh, he decided to play through it anyway, took a pain injection, Um Look, if he was able to play this week, there's a good chance that he's going to keep playing. He's going to keep, you know, pain management and everything. But commentators mentioned it. Writers mentioned it. And, I mean, just the everyday fan could see it. Herbert did not look like himself. Uh, He went up against the Jags defense, only put up 13 points, which I know sounds decent, but he's put up 23 in weeks one and two. You drafted Herbert high because you're expecting the big points. Um, Obviously, we are still missing Keenan Allen as well. So that is another big hit, but he just looked off. Do you guys have any fear with Justin Herbert moving forward? I don't have too much fear with Justin Herbert because he looked off, but he still hit that absurd deep shot uh, that eventually led to some points that even with healthy ribs, he shouldn't have been able to hit, but he somehow did it. So he can still ball out and make plays. I am concerned though with the Chargers overall. They're now one and two. The Jags defense has been better than expected, but still the Chargers, a high power team, but they're just dealing with the injury bug like no no one else. Left tackle Rashawn Slater, injured. Keen Allen, you mentioned, he's out with an injury. Joey Bosa, out with an injury. J.C. Jackson, the guy they brought in, out with an injury. Corey Lindsley, the best center in the NFL, out with an injury. Josh Palmer, he's now injured, filling in for Keenan Allen. Jalen Guyton, he was already out. Their linebacker, Kenneth Murray, was out. Donald Parham Jr., their tight end was out. That's just a lot of key pieces, high-end starters or high-end or starters or high-end backups that they're already missing in week three. Um, so definitely do some, you know, maybe self-scouting with what you thought with the Chargers. And not to mention Austin Eckler through three games only has 80 rushing yards. Obviously, he's big things through the on the through the air in the passing game, but only 80 yards for Austin Eckler. So maybe he's a guy we'll talk about in a little bit, maybe not, but 
you know, just someone that isn't getting the volume. So maybe they're going to start feeding him more. Uh, but this Chargers team as a whole, with the amount of injuries they have, they're going to have to find something or they're going to be struggling uh, all season long. I am a little more worried about Herbert in the short term than long term. Um, Cause I know that like it can take up to six weeks to fully heal from this an injury like this, but it's not really a re-injury risk, which is why you can come out and play. And it's just a pain tolerance issue. Um, so I would like be worried about him for the next like one, two weeks till he starts getting towards the back half of that. But next week they play the Texans like Texans defense, still not great. So I feel like you can't fade him too far because of that. Um, but do definitely temper expectations because you're probably still not going to get up to speed Justin Herbert for a few more weeks. All right. Fair enough. Um, all right, guys, I think that's it for injury news. Then make sure you are following our Twitter. Make sure you get all of the up to date insight on injuries as they happen and changes that you should make. But it is time for George's favorite segment. It is time for quotes of the week. Quotes of the week, starting off with the Miami Dolphins and Tyreek Hill. Um, if you remember, Tyreek Hill used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if anyone actually remembered that. And the Chiefs got beat twice in the matter of, I think it was a month or something like that, uh, by the Bengals, which is why Tyreek Hill is out for revenge against one guy named Eli Apple, who plays corner for those Bengals. He said, I can't wait to go against Eli Apple, man. I owe you, boy. So even though he doesn't play for the Chiefs anymore, he is looking for some revenge, a big game on Thursday. Yeah, and let's not forget, uh, Eli Apple did put out on Twitter last year after they won the AFC Championship game at Tyreek Hill, DM me your number so I can send you some Super Bowl tickets. Uh, so <laughs> de- definitely some elevated, you know, at least one matchup is going to be key to watch on Thursday night, but we could probably, you know, get through the rest of the Thursday night matchups a little bit later. And then we got two tweets of the week, not actually quotes, but they were tweets of the week. Um, I think they were funny, all in good fun. Uh, but if you didn't see in that Dolphins Bills game, the punter uh, punted the ball right into the butt of one of his protectors. It is now being called the butt punt, which Mark Sanchez took to Twitter and said, stay out, stay in your lane, bro, and added uh, Morstead, the Dolphins punter. Uh, so you love the fun. You just love that Mark Sanchez is getting into the or owning the butt fumble around him. And he's like, Hey, if there, it's going to be talked about. I'm just going to own it and take the notoriety that comes with it. Man, that was 10 years ago. Do you believe it's been that long since the butt fumble? No, not at all. It's been that long. It has been. And it's also kind of worth noting that the play that people suspect Dalvin cook got injured on was a butt fumble. Uh, so it was a lot of backside activity this week, I guess. Making people are going to twist that in the audio later, but we have one more tweet of the week, and it comes from good old former wide receiver Chad Ochocinco. As Cody has in here, Chad Ochocinco Johnson. I'm not sure if that's how he has it on his Twitter handle or not. Um, he said, well, he's, "Quote: His name's Chad Johnson. He he did change it, but he went back. So it's yeah, Chad Ochocinco so, Johnson. So he's Chad Johnson again. The, yes. So is he going to go back to Ochocinco in a couple of years to keep throwing us off? That's he's at Ochocinco on Twitter. So now he has both. So we're good." <laughs> Okay, good. Um, anyway, uh, he said in his tweet, Exhibit 1, why T. Higgins is the better 85. I can't do shit like this. I don't know if I can actually say that word, so we're going to have to bleep yes, it if you need to in post. But okay. Um, but that's in regards to that ridiculous-looking touchdown catch. He was way up in the air, somehow came down in toe touch on the back line. 
it was a ridiculous catch and Chad Ochocinco noticed it and making some, uh, giving some love to those uh, current Cincinnati wide receivers there. Yeah. It's uh kind of rare for Chad Ochocinco to say anybody is better than him. So <laughs> very definitely true. high praise, definitely high <laughs> praise coming from him. Yeah. It just sucks that that touchdown catch was eventually overturned because of the rule that if you are going backwards, it counts when your heel comes down. If you're going forward, it doesn't count when your heel comes down. Yeah, that's so. got to change. That's got to change. I'm sorry, but I hate that rule. I think it is stupid, and that rule's got to change. If you touch two feet down inbounds, it shouldn't matter if your heel comes down later. It's still two feet down inbounds. All right. Well, we got to put that on the docket for you know rule changes for next year. Hopefully, the competition committee is listening. Um, but that wraps up quotes of the week so i think what everyone is waiting for and how they can fix their fantasy team so let's jump into some waiver wire yes we're going to talk about the week three four waiver wire i'm actually throwing myself off on the rundown here we're going to talk about the week four waiver wire here if you have not already go check out the couchgms.com where i have my column highlighting some of the top ads we did talk about some of them, but I'll run them down here quick before we get to some extra content here for the podcast. All of those handcuff running backs are the top guys. So we got Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams, Alexander Madison, Samaj P. Ryan. We don't really know the extent of some of those starters injuries, but they all could be relevant. And I think in that order is their order of potential long-term value. Um, and then other guys we have here on the article, Romeo Dubs, Dobbs, Dobbs. I always mix that up still. Uh, for the Packers, Greg Dortch. I think we're finally starting to get on the Greg Dortch bandwagon there in Arizona. Um, tight end David Njoku, who finally had a breakout game here. We'll see if he can keep that up. And because they're still under 50% owned, I had to mention the Eagles special teams and defense because they absolutely destroyed Carson Wentz last week. Have another positive matchup against Jacksonville, and I do not know how they're still that widely available. You just want to say the Eagles... Uh beat up Carson Wentz. That's the only reason why you put them in the article. Potentially, calling, but uh, nine sacks is something. It, it, it was definitely definitely noteworthy. Um, but like George mentioned, definitely go check that out on thecouchgms.com. Uh, some other names we want to talk about. There's not a lot of great options. So I'm not going to lie. If you missed out on the guys that George mentioned in his article, there's not a lot of great options. But if you're in a deep league or have to find somebody I'm going to talk about one guy, and Tyler's probably going to plug his ears, and that is Mac Hollins of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I understand. George probably wants to, too, because I think he was a former Eagle that never did anything. Uh, he caught one long touchdown that one time. He's coming off a game with 10 targets, 8 catches, 158 yards, and a touchdown. Will he do that again next week? Probably not. Um, and the main reason I'm saying add him is because he is filled into that wide receiver number two role, and Hunter Renfro is still dealing with the concussion. So there's a chance that he still gets that same opportunity next week. And it, he did have eight targets for five catches and 66 yards the week before. So you did see this, you know, the uptick start to come once Hunter Renfro left, went out. So maybe he can do the same thing. There's str- Devontae Adams has been struggling to see the balls when they're not going in the end zone. I mean, it was three touchdowns to save his fantasy value. Uh, but Derek Carr has not targeted him like Aaron Rodgers did or outs unlike he had did in week one when he had like 15 targets. Um, so Mac Collins is a guy that a name to watch if you're in a deeper league or just want to take a shot on a guy that put up a big week. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it is worth noting that Matt Collins was man-to-man with a corner the Titans signed four days before the game. So that definitely does help Mac Holland's value in that game because he wasn't going up against stiff competition. But even yet, even the week before, Mac Holland still put up nearly 10 points in a half-point PPR league. He was still heavily utilized. So uh, he's definitely worth looking at. Um, you know, these I got two guys to mention real quick. And these are basically because, what are you waiting for? Um, they're heavily owned in a way, but they should be 90% owned. Uh, we got Brian Robinson running back for the Washington Commanders. Only reason I can see him potentially not being owned is if it's uh, not a deep league and you don't have IR spots, which if you don't have IR spots, talk to your commissioner, get it ad- added. But Brian Robinson should be back very soon. He was uh, super exciting before the season. I think he's going to take Antonio Gibson's job real quick. Um, he's definitely worth owning, definitely worth slotting in there, especially with the running back injuries starting to pile up now. Uh, and the other one is Chris Olave, wide receiver for the Saints, especially with Michael Thomas getting banged up a little bit this past week. They don't consider it a serious injury, but even yet, Chris Olave, yes, he's a rookie, but he is looking fantastic. He is getting heavily targeted, heavily utilized in that offense. He's putting up numbers. Um, Olave isn't just like some borderline bench guy that you pick up and just hope he turns into something like Olave is becoming the guy that you can actually start uh, on a weekly basis or at least play the matchups if nothing else but he should definitely be owned in more leagues he is 63% owned but again if he is available in your league go snag him I'm with you like I don't understand how he's 63% owned either because he now is actually taking the lead in targets in New Orleans it's kind of crazy to see but uh, I have two guys from the same team I want to mention here, and it's the Jaguars. I feel like we've been talking yep. more Jaguars in these first three weeks than we did all of last season, and maybe for good reason. Like, I'm questioning how how high the potential is for this Jaguars offense now. And first off, it would make Trevor Lawrence a fantasy-relevant quarterback. He's currently 42% owned. He put up 18 points in a regular quarterback scoring league two, uh, two weeks ago and 25 points against the Chargers. Like, that... If he can do that every week, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback at the end of the year. I'm not saying he can keep that up, but at least as a matchup-based starter, you have to start thinking about Trevor Lawrence. And then we all know how good Christian Kirk has been these first few weeks. He's actually earning that money that we laughed at earlier this year. But if Trevor Lawrence is going to be that good, he might be able to support two pass catchers. And the one other one that's currently looking at is Zay Jones. I never thought I would say add Zay Jones, especially after all the jokes I made with the Cody like, oh, who's that guy? Oh, it's Zay Jones, I'm not adding him. But he looks good. He actually led the Jags in targets this week. He's putting together a couple of good games in a row and at least looks like the number two option behind Christian Kirk. I don't know, is this an overreaction or is Zay Jones here to stay? Do you want me to answer honestly or do you want me to help build your case? <laughs> answer <laughs> honestly because I honestly don't know. So I would say it's an it's an overreaction for Zay Jones because I actually debated about throwing in Evan Ingram onto this too because he's seen some targets, but he's been, you know, he had a really good week too. He came back to earth in week one. So it seems like outside of Christian Kirk, you have those guys that it's going to be this guy one week. Who's going to, you know, step in? Who's, who's going to be open? Um, so I don't know if there's any guys that I would rely on outside of Christian Kirk in that offense and the running backs. Um, 
But just to hit on Trevor Lawrence, too, I understand they play the Eagles this week, so it might not be the best matchup if you're streaming. But we did just see what he did against the Chargers. Granted, I did mention there's some there was a lot of guys that left that game with injuries. Um, but then he has the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, who have, you know, they shocked everybody, but they haven't been the, the best team, the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos the following week. So that's a pretty good stretch for quarterbacks. Uh, so maybe even if you want to get in on Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence a week early, uh, I definitely think he's worth it's worth doing that. Yeah, my last guy that I want to talk about is Bill's wide receiver, Isaiah McKenzie. Um, he was definitely highly talked about coming into the season. We were expecting big things, a little bit disappointing in week one. Uh, well, he finally broke out in uh, week three here. He saw 10 targets, was heavily utilized. I think that he's definitely going to be a guy that moving forward is going to get a lot more target share. Um, McKenzie did have that fumble in week one. He did have a drop or two. So I think it kind of, it was in his head, maybe some early season jitters and they kind of shied away from him just a little bit, but he seems like he's got it together. Now uh, he is ready to go. And, you know, we saw, I, I know Stefan Diggs is a big target. Don't get me wrong. And Gabriel Davis is there as well, but we saw what Cole Beasley did as a number three wide receiver for the bills. He was still worth owning. He was still worth starting a lot of weeks. So there's definitely plenty of points to go around, especially with Josh Allen slinging it the way that he is this year. So Isaiah McKenzie, 31% owned. If you're in a deep league, go snag him. Yeah. And yeah. Also, you definitely want, sorry, go ahead, Cody. No, I was going to say if George, you have another guy, you can go ahead. Um, but if, okay. if not, I'll say what I was going to say. I do. I was going to say, you definitely want pieces of those big offenses and it might be inconsistent a lot of times with those like third, you know, target options, that kind of thing. Um, but now there's somebody else that I want to mention here that's also in the same situation. It's on the Chargers and it's Josh Palmer because, I mean, Keenan Allen still might miss more time. If he does, that's even better for Josh Palmer in the short term. They have Mike Williams in front of him. And I think the DeAndre Carter thing is kind of starting to die down. I think he's more of a skill guy, like, you know, on the special teams that was just happening to get more targets on offense. And then the other guy that was in that offense was Jalen Guyton, who just hit injured reserve is out for the year. So now is a clear, should be a clear wide receiver three option is Josh Palmer on a high powered offense. Once Justin Herbert starts to get a little bit more right. I like that as an ad. If you're going to start adding people from those high powered offenses, similar to an Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. I just, just want to remember- apologize in advance in case anybody can hear my dog snoring on the mic, <laughs> but he is laying right next to me and he is snoring hard. So uh, Calvin is not thrilled with fantasy football right now, but yeah, with, we definitely with the, are with these, these waivers. I can understand it. Um, <laughs> and just a reminder, Josh Palmer is also injured at the moment. So it could be a speculative ad, not supposed to be long-term. Uh, so if you want to get in early, uh, but I was just going to remind everyone too, doing waivers. If there's, if those top guys are, you know, gone or, you know, you're near at the end of your waiver wire, or you don't want to spend the, that amount of fab to go up and get a Jamal Williams that it's going to take. Don't make a waiver move. Get yourself in a higher priority and then shop who gets cut. Because sometimes these people, sometimes your league mates, they'll be in desperate situations. They might drop a guy that you can't believe they're going to cut, and then that puts you in a prime position. So sometimes the best move is to not make a move and see what happens the day after waivers. Um, And a lot of these guys that we're talking about fall into that category. Like, are they even going to be picked up? Can you pick them up the next day if no one you like is going to be cut too? So that's a part that's some of the strategy game you have to consider when you are playing fantasy is when to actually make a move 
and when to sit back and see if something falls into your lap. Well, Cody, I got to say that, you know, knowing when to make a move is definitely a big thing. But if you are anything like me, you are itching to make a move. You want to go out there. You want to do something. And it's not on the waiver wire. It's trades. It is trade season. And Cody, I know you feel the itch too because you like to trade just as much as I do. So if you guys are out there, if you are feeling that itch as well and you want to go start trading, it is time to get into some buy low, sell high. Here is some targets for you guys to look at. All right. Why don't we start off with some buy low candidates, some guys that are struggling or not playing up to their top right now that you can get at a value. I mean, some of these guys are bigger. You're going to have to still pay up, but we're saying you're going to pay less than they are actually worth. Cody, I noticed you have two, so I'll let you go with one of yours first. All right. I'll start with one. And that is Devonte Adams. I mentioned it a little bit when we talked about Matt Collins and he has three touchdowns through three weeks. So getting him on a buy low might be more difficult. It might be not the, you know, guy you can sell one of the sell high candidates for. You might actually have to give up something significant. And I understand why it's scary because in weeks two and three, he only had seven catches for 48 yards. Granted, he had a touchdown each game, saved his fantasy day. But the Raiders are the only 0-3 team right now which is kind of crazy some of us were pick, predicting them to make the playoffs they're gonna they're gonna get it figured out they're gonna bounce back and one of the things they're gonna do is they're gonna start targeting Devonte adams and let's look at week one just two weeks ago when he had 17 targets 10 catches 141 yards and a touchdown that's the dominant D- Devonte adams they're gonna have to be like okay look we can't go into a game giving Devonte adams the same amount of targets we're giving mac hollins like that can't happen <laughs> That's what happened on Sunday. So if you can, I would recommend going out and get Devontae Adams. You know, I, I will say that week one was a great week for Devontae Adams. And you you got to go back and look at what happened with the targets. But I'm sorry, but if last year you told me there was a game where Devontae Adams had 17 targets and he only ended with 140 yards and one touchdown, I would have said you're crazy because that kind of volume – uh, typically you expect Devontae Adams to put up ridiculous numbers um, and he just put up really good numbers. <laughs> I mean, not Devontae Adams level numbers, but still, even yet, yes, I agree, Cody. It did look like against the Titans, I did get to watch um, Adams a lot closer this week. It did look like against the Titans, they were trying hard to get him utilized. They they definitely ran the ball with Devontae Adams a lot. They threw it to him on the short ball. They threw it to him on the deep ball, and uh, the Titans just shut it down. It looked like the play design is not set up. They're trying to force the ball in Devontae Adams' hands and just let him do the work when they got to try to design some plays to get the ball into his hands with a little bit of space or in motion. Let him really uh, get cooking and do something good. Um, but I'll go ahead with my guy because I also have a wide receiver, and that is Chris Godwin. Now, Chris Godwin has been injured. Um, so definitely a buy low candidate right now. Um, I'm sure there's a team out there that took Godwin in the mid rounds because he's like, eh, Godwin's supposed to be hurt. So I'm not taking him as he fell in the drafts because he was supposed to be hurt. And then he ended up playing. So they think they get a steal and then he ends up getting hurt anyway. Um, so I'm de- there's definitely some frustrated owners out there with Chris Godwin. You might just be ready to cut bait with him and get somebody new. 
And that's the kind of guy you want to go grab. Like, I understand it is frustrating. I will admit that as a Chris Godwin owner in certain leagues, I am nervous to have Chris Godwin the rest of the year because he is struggling to stay healthy. But when healthy, he is a dominant force. He is a guy that kills it. Like, and Tom Brady is struggling right now. He needs someone to step up and take the reins. Uh, Mike Evans being suspended and Julio Jones being hurt and Chris Godwin being hurt. Nobody has stepped up to be Brady's guy. Uh, So he needs one of his vets to come back and Brady's not going to like being held down in the passing game for too long. Godwin's going to cook the rest of the year. He's going to be good um, once he finally does get fully healthy. So I think Chris Godwin's a great buy low candidate. I like him because I feel like if you don't have any shares of him, you kind of forgot about him because he got hurt in week one, hasn't played since. You expected him to be hurt, but he was actually playing really well before that injury in week one. So love that by low candidate. And then I have a running back to go for here. And it's actually somebody we just talked about who's a little banged up. It's Joe Mixon. So number one, it is there is news coming out that he is actually probably likely to play on Thursday, which is, I mean, we'll see if he gets a full workload, but we've seen Joe Mixon work through injuries like that before. But you have a guy who peaked in week one. He scored under 10 points and a half PPR the last two weeks. He's banged up. If you're going to find a value for a late first round, early second round running back, it's when he is injured and coming off of two struggling weeks. So you're still probably going to have to pay up for a Joe Mixon, but I think this is the perfect time to try to go get that RB1 for your team. Yeah, I do I do like the ad, um, especially if he doesn't go this week. Like if you mm-hmm. can wait it out, like maybe not make the move as soon as the minute you're listening to it, see if he does go. Um because if he doesn't go, you could probably get him for even a little bit less, but then 10 days off. And then you were talking about the Bucks, Tyler, with Chris Godwin and talk about how much they need somebody. Uh, on the broadcast yesterday for the Packers-Bucks game, they said that through three weeks, the Buccaneers have yet to score a touchdown in the first half, which kind of blows my mind. But that just goes to how much they need some offensive. I know their offensive line is decimated, which is making life miserable. That's not going to be a Tom Brady-led team. So I really do like the Chris Godwin ad. I wish I would have thought of it myself, which I didn't. So props to you on that one. And then my last guy um, is – this one's a little bit more risky, uh, but it's Travis Etienne. Now, I know I need to apologize because James Robinson has looked way better than I expected coming off of a torn Achilles. But he is coming off of a torn Achilles, and it is – we haven't really seen a running back be able to sustain success off of a torn Achilles in terms of fantasy. He he's on that pace. I fully get that. But you know, Travis Etienne, he was hyped up. You know, he was going to be the guy. He was going to be catching passes, which he hasn't been doing that much. He's been getting you know three to four targets a game, which is pretty good for a running back, but not the the guy that was working in the slot that we kind of were hearing out of. Maybe that's because of the rise of Christian Kirk. But you know, there. Their numbers have gotten a little bit closer. You know, it was 13 carries to 17 carries last week. So Travis Etienne is still a part of that offense. He's a guy that, you know, people had high expectations on. They could be disappointed through three weeks. So I'm not saying go out and give up a lot. But in terms of running backs, when we've seen the top guys have not have been disappointing, you know, running backs have been struggling. Travis Etienne is a guy that I think is talented enough and has the skill enough to at least turn around and have a strong second half. Uh, so not a must go out and, and buy low on, but if you can, if you have some other pieces, go ahead and do it. 
I think right, this guys. is going to go right oh, into go we're going to let's switch this over to sell high because I think your sell high is going to feed almost right into what Cody said here with a buy low. Mine personally? Yeah. Look, my okay. I feel like my sell high is going to get some hate um because he has been solid, he has been consistent and George was uh hyping up the Jags earlier. But my sell high is Jaguars receiver Christian Kirk. Um, yeah, they paid him a whole bunch of money. They plan to use him. Trevor Lawrence looks good. I 100% agree. Um, however, I don't think what Christian Kirk is doing is sustainable. Um, first off, Christian Kirk has six catches every week. Um, he turned it into 117 yards the first week. He turned it into two touchdowns the second week, 72 yards and a touchdown in the third week. Um, but if he consistently is getting six catches a game, at some point you're going to stop getting those big plays. You're going to stop getting those touchdowns. Yes, the targets are all over the place. He did have 12 targets in week one. Um, but with those six catches, uh, every single week he has had a catch of 25 yards or more. So he is getting a lot of yards on the one big play. And you also got to look at the Jaguars. Like, I understand they look really good right now. I, I get that. But are we really thinking the Jaguars are going to keep this up? Are we really thinking that this is the year the Jaguars just go nuts and become amazing? Cause I feel like a lot of the reason they're winning is because their defense has been so good. Um, but let's also look at the first three weeks. I mean, Washington in week one, the 30th ranked passing defense, uh, Indy in week two, which is a good passing defense, but the Jags are historically amazing against the Colts, especially in the early season. I don't know why. They just are. Divisional matchups are weird. And then week three, the Chargers are the 27th ranked passing defense. He does have some tougher matchups coming up, um, including the Giants and the Broncos, which are actually the number one and two passing defense, believe it or not. Granted, the Giants haven't played yet at the time we're recording this podcast, so their stats should drop, but he's not going to have quite as easy of matchups. I just don't think he's going to be able to sustain it. I think he's still going to be a good receiver as the year goes on, but for the value that he's at right now as a top 10 receiver, you can sell this dude and get someone that's definitely a lot more trustworthy and a lot more uh, consistent down the stretch. Somebody I would like to win a championship with. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's, I was gonna say, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like, look at the guys we just talked about at, you know, Devontae Adams. It's probably going to take Christian Kirk and maybe a running back. Maybe you have you picked up Jamal Williams, Alexander Mattinson, something like that. You have a Jeff Wilson. You have J.K. Dobbins coming back, but you picked him late. So if you throw a Christian Kirk and J.K. Dobbins, that might get you Devontae Adams. Um, same with Joe Mixon. You'd probably have to throw in you know one of the waiver wire guys like a Jamal Williams or a Khalil Herbert or something like that. And then Chris Godwin, you might even be able to get straight up in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Whether you want to do that one or not is, you know, how much do you believe in Chris Godwin coming back to full health? Um, but Tyler is onto something, you know, he has big numbers, but it's all on six catches. That has been consistent for three weeks. What happens when he doesn't pull in the touchdown hurry? He doesn't pull in, you know, the 25-yard play. Um, so definitely a name worth watching. But George, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, it's fine. I want to say that, like, if he consistently wants to keep getting six catches, like that's not awful. Like he's probably going to be a flex option most weeks with that kind of volume, especially in a PPR. But 
it's not going to be wide receiver two. So this is the perfect time to sell high because he is at least slightly overperforming. But even if he stays at the same workload, he will be a little lower than he is playing right now. So I'm with you. It's a good time to try to get that value and just bump up a little bit. Um, but mine, I think we're already starting to see a regression and we just don't know it. And that's Clyde Edwards Alaire. So we remember in his rookie year, he was drafted in the first round. He had a really good start to the season. And then he did so bad that he finishes like running back 15, but he was like running back 30 in the second half of the year or something. It was bad. And this backfield split in Kansas city is maddening, honestly. Um, and then we'll go to this week's stats. So I'll say in a half PPR, he scored 12.4 points. Looks solid. He could even be a running back two most weeks, just getting 12.4. The man had literally zero rushing yards, seven carries, zero yards, run rushing touchdown. <laughs> and then 39 yards through the air on five catches on five targets. So like talk about overperforming right there. Week one, he had 20 points because of two touchdowns. Week two, I can say was his solid week. He scored 13 points without scoring a touchdown, but the he's not getting the number number of tar, of carries you need to be a solid RB two. He's been touchdown dependent. You just can't tell. And he's going to have a boom week now and again, but this is the perfect time to sell him before people realize he's overperforming. Yeah. And it's, it's worth considering that, you know, he is currently performing as like running back two, um, as a every week starting running back because he's playing to that level. However, he is yet to have more. He's yet to have double digit rushing attempts in any game yet this season. Um, he is getting used in the passing game, but not, you know, seven carries in week one, eight carries in week two, seven carries in week three. If I am a guy who is starting a running back two every week, I want to see more volume. Um, it's just like when we saw Aaron Jones get next to no touches in week one, it's like you get a guy that you want to put in your starting lineup every week. You want to see volume. Now, Aaron Jones is a guy that has been getting the volume and he has, more talent than Clyde Edwards-Alaire and is able to do more with those touches. I don't think CEH is on that type of a level. Um, I think it is a great sell high, especially with if you can sell him this week. He's got the Bucks, which is the number one run defense next week. So that's a team that I'm probably not starting CEH against. Um, and then he has Buffalo in week six and you got the bye coming in week eight. So uh, you got a tough stretch right here. Uh, this is definitely a good time to sell him before he starts on a downswing and loses all of his value. Yeah. I think, I think CH is the, this right now is your perfect opportunity. If you do have him uh, to move on or get some value out of him. Uh, I have the last guy and I'm going to admit right off the top that this probably shouldn't be in a sell high segment. It should just probably just be in a sell segment, but that's okay. We're, I'm still going to roll with it. And there is also a part of me that can understand why you would want to buy this guy low so it could be a perfect trade in your league but it is running back javante williams now the broncos are two and one but they scored 11 points and won a game last night their offense still has not fully clicked fully not come together and to make matters worse they are now in a three-way running back split with none other than one of the biggest playoff fantasy disappointments ever in mike boone look at <laughs> Sunday night football from week three, Javante Williams did lead the backfield with 33, you know, snaps. He ran 13 routes. Melvin Gordon was right behind him with eight, 28 snaps and 13 routes. Mike Boone, 14 snaps, 11 routes. Is Mike Boone becoming the pass catcher? Is he going to become a third down guy? 
this is already a crowded backfield on an offense that just hasn't found its rhythm yet. So, like I said, it's probably not a sell high because there's just not a lot of options out there. But if you could go out and, you know, throw him in with, you know, another guy to, you know, upgrade your running back or something like that on the name recognition or what people think he can be, I think it's worth a move. I hate Mike Boone with a passion. Mike Boone almost ended my relationship. Quick story time for those of you out there. I talked my now fiance, girlfriend at the time, into playing fantasy football. Her first ever year playing fantasy football, she had a killer draft on her own, mind you, and got Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, and Nick Chubb all in the prime of their life and dominated the league, made the championship game, and Derrick Henry was sitting for rest, uh, and I think it was McCaffrey got injured. It was one of his first injuries, and she needed a running back in the championship round desperately. I said, start Mike Boone. George said, pick up, start Mike Boone. Cody said, start Mike Boone. Some of our other friends, Mark D from the other podcast that we've had on as a special guest speaker, he said, pick up, start Mike Boone. She started Mike Boone. He got one point, and she lost the championship. If she would have gotten one more point, she would have won. Um, and she has not let me live that down, especially because I am the one that beat her in the championship that game. So uh, since that day, Mike Boone is the bane of my existence. Um, we almost lost it. Almost well, ended our relationship that day. Fun story time. Shelby, if you're listening, Snyder paid us all $5 to text yeah, you okay. back. Okay. Mike Boone. So it was him all along. He just wanted to win. <laughs> yeah, okay. This sounds super fitting that Mike Boone destroy, almost destroyed your relationship back then, and now Mike Boone is going to destroy the Broncos' backfield in 2022. But – I think that ends our buy low, sell high segment. Why don't we jump into a little Thursday night preview before we get out of here? Thursday night football should be a good one if the uh, Bengals keep on the right track to getting back right. It is the Bengals hosting the Miami Dolphins. Now, I mean, I, I have to start off right away with I'm guessing Tua is not showing any concussion symptoms. I'm guessing the concussion protocol thing was legit and Tua is going to be fine to go. But it's kind of concerning that it was a short week right after that whole situation. The first day after that game, we watched Tua go down, smack his head. Everyone's thinking he's got a concussion. He goes into the locker room. They clear him and say, oh, no, it was actually because of his back. It was a back injury, and that's why he was acting so weird. But you know what they said today? Oh, he's sore. His ankle hurts. Excuse me? Where did that come from? Like, what are <laughs> what is happening with Tua Tunga-Vailoa? But either way, he played through it, and I think this dude's tough. He's The way he's playing right now, there's no way you're going to get him to sit. Um, he's going to play. But still, it's just something to keep an eye on. This man is beat up already, I think. I don't know. It's mysterious injuries of Tua. It's it's strange. Okay, I thought Cody was going to jump in. (laughs) Um, So you got the mysterious injuries of Tua, but I think all his receivers, especially if he goes, are still good to go. You're not going to see another super bad week out of Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's just the typical Tyreek Hill's going to disappear every couple of weeks. He did it in Kansas City even, but his big weeks are going to be why you still keep him in your lineup every single week. Uh, Jalen Waddle still salvaged a 100-yard game, so there's no problem there. Uh, are you touching any of the running backs on Miami? If you have to pick one, for some reason, it'd be Chase Edmonds. But I would prefer to go elsewhere. But if you're in a bind and don't get one of these waiver guys, then Chase Edmonds would be the one I would go with. I think Edmonds is touchdown dependent 
at this point. I don't think he's going to get the volume you need to give you the yards uh, that you're hoping for, but he has been stealing some touchdowns um, when they do get to the goal line. So he is touchdown dependent. Touchdown dependent guys usually are pretty valuable. Um, look at what Jamal Williams did while DeAndre Swift was healthy. I mean, the dude mm-hmm. didn't carry the ball much, but he stole every touchdown. Or Kareem Hunt with Nick Chubb stealing every touchdown. They are still valuable, but it's not guys you want to rely on if you don't have to. Exactly. Like, I, it's worth noting, I was on the Raheem Mostert bandwagon last week on the waiver wire. Mostert still did out-touch and out-target Chase Edmonds. But Chase Edmonds had two touchdowns. Again, like you're saying, touchdown dependent. He's probably more valuable because of that and getting the goal line carries, but it's not going to be consistent. So I'm also trying to stay away from them if I can help it. And then moving to the Bengals side, is it all your normal guys? Um, except for maybe Joe Mixon if he doesn't go? Yeah, I let, let's that's a great question. We know you we mentioned, you know, pick up Samaj P. Ryan. But this Dolphins defense has actually looked pretty darn good through the first three weeks. If Joe Mixon is out, what is does that make Samaj P. Ryan an automatic start? Or are you still might look elsewhere because it's a short week, a backup? Like, what are your guys' thoughts? Look, I'm sorry, but there is no way I am ever comfortable starting Samaj P. Ryan. I don't care the situation. I don't care if he's the definite starter and they're going against a bad run defense. Samaj P. Ryan is not a guy that I'm like, oh, yeah, got to roll this dude out. Like, there's other running backs in the league that are starters, but you're not going to play them anyway. And this is. This is one of them. I, I don't feel like he is that, you know, fantastic of a starter to be able to just plug in there, especially against, like you said, the, like the Dolphins defense has been really good. So it's not a defense I'm really trying to play with. I would rather go with somebody else. It, obviously, if you're in a bind and you're really struggling, he might be a play. If you're in daily fantasy and you just want a, you know, a cheap option to potentially win you the matchup, maybe not a bad option, but. If it's up to me, I'm leaving P. Ryan on the bench. The only time that I like P. Ryan at least some is if you're in a full PPR because we know he's normally the passing down back. Um, I mean, Mixon was still getting a lot of those targets, but now like you expect him to be in a little bit of a shootout. He can probably get himself five, six catches in this game um, just from playing extended time on top of his just passing down. So I think that's where he's going to be the most effective, but I don't think he's going to be the most effective in actual yardage. And then you have to hope he gets a touchdown. And then also on the the Bengals side, the side, you know, you're going to start Jamar Chase, you're going to start T. Higgins. But what about Joe Mixon? Is this or not Joe Mixon? Tyler Boyd. We just talked about Joe Mixon. Tyler Boyd. We expect it to be a high scoring game. Tyler Boyd has two double digit weeks and half point PPR scoring week one and week three. Had a big eighteen and a half point week last week. Are are you playing him in your flex spot? For, as a flex guy, not actually in your flex spot. If you do play guys on Thursday night, put them in the actual position. But are you in on Tyler Boyd at all? You know, I think Tyler Boyd is a better receiver than the other guys I'm about to mention. But um, last night, or on Sunday, when Tyler Boyd had the big play, um, ended up getting a touchdown. Like, Cody, you texted the group and said, well, it's a Tyler Boyd week. And it's sounded exactly the same as when we used to go, well, it's a DK Metcalf week. Well, it's a Tyler Lockett week. Like, I feel like some weeks Boyd is going to be the guy. He's going to get the points. And some weeks he's going to absolutely disappear. I would put 
uh, Tyler Boyd in the same conversation as Tyler Lockett right now. I would put him in the same conversation as Isaiah McKenzie right now. You know that these guys have the potential to give you a 15 to 20 point week at any given moment, but you also know these guys could completely disappear and give you two. Um, so if you're comfortable starting guys like Isaiah McKenzie and Tyler Lockett on a weekly basis, then you should be comfortable starting Tyler Boyd as well. But if you're anything like the rest of us that are sketched out by that, I think you got to play the matchups. Look for the games where it's going to be a shootout. Look for the games where maybe the Bengals will fall behind a little bit and need to start throwing the ball more, which this game could be one of those games. Um, look for the games that you think they're just going to start slinging it and Joey B is going to put up 350 passing yards. Those are the games you're starting, Tyler Boyd. You basically right. took the words right out of my mouth, honestly. And I still want to mention it was a Boyd week, but Boyd has just basically been the long ball threat. When Boyd gets his long touchdown, it's when it's a hit is a Boyd week. He was still fourth on the team in targets behind Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and the running back this time, in case Joe Mixon, it might not be Joe Mixon, it might be P. Ryan this week. It's still a sketchy play. I think you need to try to point out the game where the Bengals are going to score 27 30. 35 points like Tyler said so if you think that's one of those weeks go Boyd if not don't all right real quick I'm gonna ask you both some start sits Tyler Boyd or Curtis Samuel against the Cowboys Curtis Samuel Curtis Samuel volume mm-hmm. all right Tyler Boyd or Tyler Lockett versus the Lions uh that's basically a toss-up I'll go Boyd sure yeah, I think Dolphins have a good uh, good team. I think that this game could turn into a shootout. Shootout is good for Boyd. Give me Boyd. All righty. Two more. Tyler Boyd or Darnell Mooney versus the Giants? Oh, Boyd. All day. Boyd. I am not starting Darnell Mooney in any league. I dropped him in our league of record, and he is one of my favorite players. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. like Darnell Mooney right now. No. I don't like I anyone understand. with a Bears C on their head except for maybe a starting running back. All right, and then the last guy, he battled back their injury, but their offense is struggling. Tyler Boyd or Jerry Judy? I like Judy. I think I'm still one of the very few people that is on the Judy train. I feel like every week I'm like, Jerry Judy, he's good. And every week people are like, I'm not starting Judy. But I'm one of the few people that are still on that train. I still think Judy's good, even though the Broncos suck. Um I know they're two and one. I don't care. Their head coaching, their play calling decision still sucks. Russell doesn't look like himself. So they're a struggle, but I still think Judy is enough of a playmaker. Give me Judy. They played a very tough defense this week. They're going against an 0 and three Raiders team. Um, Judy was still coming back from an injury. I'm also going to go Judy and not overreact to the fact they only got 2.7 and a half PPR last week. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. If you have any questions for Thursday night, feel free to send them our way. But as always, thanks for listening. Absolutely, guys. And as always, reach out to us with any questions you have. If you're thinking about a trade, let us know. Even if you have to privately message us so your league mates don't see it and and get some wind on it, uh, feel free to do that as well. If you have any waiver questions, some start-sit questions, or if you just want to make fun of George like we always do, anything you want to do, Either way, this podcast is so much more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Yes, it is, guys. And thank you all one more time for listening in to the Couch GM's podcast. For Tyler Snyder and Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all later in the week.